So, <clears throat> uh, part two of what is creation is called glory to God. Um, and now we're, well, we're going to look at how and why. Uh, sorry, why. Let me get this right, the right way around. Why we should and how. How should we glorify God in creation? Uh, and when we think about creation, especially in light of the weather, and today is probably the best day to think about that, uh, and the sunshine, just as I say that, uh, the clouds come over and it goes a bit darker. That's great. Thank you. Uh, and I think for many people, though, Christians uh, tend to appreciate God's creation, uh, probably with anybody, but certainly with Christians, uh, appreciate the weather, appreciate God more, I would say, in, in many ways, when the creation almost reflects his glory. So the sunshine and the great weather, we tend to see that that's a kind of reflection of God's creation. Uh, around us and it's helpful for us to remind us uh, that uh, God has created everything and so there's nothing wrong with thanking God for good weather and the change of seasons even longer daylight hours but as I said last week we, we need to be careful uh, we don't move to worshiping created things around us uh, instead of the one who actually created it and what I hope we can understand today is a, a bigger appreciation for God's creation regardless of what the season is or what weather we have. Uh, and what we have is the God of the universe who created every single minute detail to his own exact specification. That's something to glorify God for already, isn't it? It's not an accident. It's not that God got lucky uh, with creating the universe. Uh, it's that everything, and we know this because the Bible says every hair on your head, he knows you. Which means if we're created, that means he must have taken very great care in creating everything. That everything works just perfectly. And just think, before we take the time to process all that we see around us when we first wake up, imagine this, probably something we take for granted. You've been able to breathe in oxygen. You've been able to take a breath, to breathe in the thing that keeps us alive. You've been able to go downstairs and make yourself a drink. You've been able to have a glass of water that's provided by God's great creation. And sometimes we overlook that because we're so used to it now, aren't we? We wake up and we expect to see the world operating in the way it should be. Then we get out of bed, then we get ready. We go to work or we go out. And we do that without floating away. We do that without leaving the ground. Isn't that amazing? That's because... God created gravity in exactly the way that was needed. Exactly the way that was needed for us to be on the ground. And not so much that it would crush us. Isn't that strange? There's certain planets in the solar system that have too much gravity for us to live on, where if we stepped on it, we'd be crushed. Our own body weight would be so much uh, that we'd be crushed under its weight. So you can imagine that gravity has to be exactly right, otherwise we'll, we'll either get crushed completely or... Not so worse scenario is that you wouldn't really be able to run around because the more you run, the more pressure you put on your bones, on your body, and the gravity is kind of uh, multiplied. And then just if you just think about that for a minute, God is doing, has done something amazing where the gravity is just right for us to live, walk around. People go jogging in the streets and, yeah, they get tired. That's part of gravity as well, by the way. Uh, but also they can do it without being crushed. So there's, there's a sense of something we don't, fully grasp or understand it every day because well we take it for granted gravity is there because it's always there 
God's creation is there because it's always there. And so whilst we, we think about this, it may, we may think it makes us feel, we may feel a bit small, a bit um, almost helpless when we think of creation, how big it is, and we think, well, we're tiny in comparison to this amazing earth, this amazing universe that we're in. But it can help us understand just how carefully crafted our universe is, and so give glory to the God of all the universe who created all things and rules over all things. So let's have a look at why should God be glorified in regards specifically to creation. Um, I hope you know the answer why God should be glorified anyway, uh, but I'm going to answer this specifically, hopefully for you, uh, and help you uh, understand if you're, you're uh, not sure about why we should certainly glorify God for creation specifically. So Job 12 verses 7 to 10 uh, says this, but ask the animals and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky and they will tell you, or speak to the earth and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. You see that, in just in that last verse, you see what's happened there, what God has done in what's spoken in Job. We're different from creatures. The breath of life of all mankind, breath of all mankind is blown into us specifically. And we said how the value of human beings in God's eyes is just, uh, it's just so much grace and love for us that we can just go, wow, thank you, Lord. I have so much value in the eyes of God. And yet not so uh, that I get above my station, but amazing that Jesus has died for us that we may live. That has to be valuable. God has to be this God who just loves us so much and gives us so much value uh, that he wants us to live. But I don't know about you. Uh, I've uh, We've been to, I don't know if you've ever been to Glastonbury. Um, I don't mean the event, the, the concert. I mean just the place that you go and visit. Uh, and there in Glastonbury, uh, in this particular place, there are more than 70 religions. It's, it's one of the few places in the world where in such a small kind of microcosm, in a, in a smallest place, so many religions intersect and exist, <coughs> and they're practiced to some degree or another. Mostly, if you go there, you'll, what you'll find, and it's quite disturbing, and we'll probably never go back there, is that witchcraft is practiced there. So nearly every other shop is about witchcraft. Every other shop is about spells. Every other shop is about potions. And in the age of Harry Potter and all those things, this is a very attractive place. This place has become very uh, very busy and very popular. Uh, and the, all the religions are kind of bad enough in terms of just people making stuff up. But witchcraft, it suggests that there's something dark and possibly demonic that goes on, but it's dressed up in a kind of a fun way. Uh, but it, I can tell you now, it's not fun. It's not fun. It's dark and it's demonic. And it, and it makes its way into people's lives, believing that this stuff is harmless. Uh, and it really isn't harmless at all, actually. It's harmful to every single person. But it is a sorry statistic. 70 religions practiced. Uh, everyone refuting historical evidence, written accounts of the creator God of the universe in favor of some imagined made-up deity that either doesn't exist or at worst is demonic and that's a sad and sorry place to be uh, as a world uh, that we have to go to a, a place where we make up stuff i've said before this is an amazing contradiction and hypocrisy of the world to then call christians making up something 
and yet we have evidence to show that God does actually exist, that Jesus did come to die for sin, that he died on the cross, and he did rise again three days later, and he lives. And so those who believe in him also live. But what these religions, all these other practices that we see, you will see in this place specifically, uh, what they fail to understand is that the very creation that keeps all of us living and breathing, that gives grace to people, that practice whatever they feel like on any particular day of the week, is all dependent on the God of the Bible. The only reason they can practice these strange and terrible things to some degree is because God, in his grace, allows them to choose him. He allows them to choose to worship him. But they can also choose to worship other things. Acts 17 verse 24 to 25 said the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else yet the person who chooses to worship and give glory to the made-up God of their design or the demonic one, right through to those who believe in God of the Bible, are all made in the image of God. So everyone, including those who don't believe in God, are made in his image. He made man from the start and said, you are made in my image. And this is where Christians are called to say, how are we going to love people that don't believe in God? Because actually, we, as people who realize, who have come to the revelation that Jesus is Lord, they're going to need to know what that love is. They're going to need to know who that Jesus is, the one that can save them and bring them to life. And so we look at everybody, regardless of where they are, where they're at and what they're doing, and we say, we know that God created you. But you're using that, maybe in some people's lives, they're using it, to direct their glory somewhere else, direct the worship to another God, to another religion. Even atheists have a religion. Atheism is a religion. In all sense of purposes, people have to believe in something mostly they can't back up. But the image bearers of God have been given in grace a choice as to where we direct our worship and what or who we glorify. What you'll find in Glastonbury and places like it, and in fact in many other places, are people that give glory to the moon and the stars, as well as the sun and the sky, worshipping created things. We know this happens at Stonehenge, right? They go to the uh, summer solstice and they go and they, they're worshipping the created things. There's something in us that wants to worship something, and often, more often than not, people will direct their worship at something that is not God at all. Uh, but yeah, probably, most likely, the thing that God created. So I want to say that while we can appreciate great weather and the things that create the beautiful environment around us, we should really be careful. Because we are dependent on the God of the Bible, the one true God, for the whole of creation. And there's nothing more that is deserving of our praise and our worship and our affection than to worship God. This God that we talk about in the Bible, he's not dependent on us. He's not dependent on his thing he created in the first place. He's not dependent 
on the environment around him. He's not dependent on, on the flowers and the plants and the food that's generated, the sunshine, the moon, all those things. He's not dependent on it. But it is, we do have a God, the God, that's still involved. He is involved in everyday life of people. He's not a God who's playing hide and seek behind the clouds. And the reason why I say that is because if you're worshipping the sun and the cloud goes over the sun, I don't know what you think about that. I don't know what you think when if you put all your effort and praise into something that's created, you've got to make up a whole theology about what happens when the sun goes in. What happens when it's a full moon, a half moon, a quarter moon? This stuff just gets weird. This stuff is not good for us. But this God, our God, he doesn't play hide and seek. He is present everywhere. The God of the Bible is always present with the ones who bear his image. He's intimately involved in our lives. Being there in our struggles and our victories. We have the God who is greater than all creation and involved with everything he has made. The real God you find in the pages of the Bible that you know as a Christian through the Holy Spirit provides us with a sure hope, giving us no reason to fear for our salvation. No longer do we have to fear what's beyond this time. When we read the Bible, believe that Jesus is Lord, have the Holy Spirit, there's no reason to fear what comes after. There's no reason to make up any other thing. God has made it clear. What comes after is if you believe in him and trust in Jesus Christ, you're going to be with him forever. And if you don't, you're not going to be with him. You're going to be in hell. This is why it should pain us when people continually reject God don't we want that kind of the, the heaven that God talks about in the Bible don't we want that for everybody God wants it for everyone says it himself he wants all to be saved all to come to him and to know that he is Lord Psalm 19 verse 1 the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands. What God has created has been made to give him glory. David here understood in the Psalms that uh, he saw what he saw with his eyes was just the outward physical working of God himself. He looked past these amazing blue skies and sunshine, past the night sky and the moon and saw this handiwork of God that produced this splendor that laid out in front of him. And so when he's writing this, this is what he's looking at. And then he's also referencing the fact that what could have made this other than God himself? How is it possible that I can even stand here and admire this amazing creation if it was not for a design in the first place that allowed me to be here? Psalm 8 verses 3 to 4. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. David knew the value of simply considering the glory of God's creation. He knew what it was like to look up into the starry sky and consider what a great God had made this vast, wonderful universe. 
Revelation 4, verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. God is worthy of praise because it was God's will to make it happen. Not some random accident, but truly on purpose. God doesn't need this creation that he has created, which makes it so much more amazing to understand that if he didn't need it, he just did it because he wanted to. It's not that God has to rely on this creation. He did it because he wanted to. He created you and me because he wanted to. That's love. That's a love we don't even understand. He doesn't need us, but he wants creation that, can, that interacts with him, that connects with him, that talks to him, that believes in him. He doesn't need it, but he wants us. It is funny, though, how those who don't believe in God and therefore that he created the universe, that when asked how the weather system works and seasons come and go, they attribute it to another God. They give it, they credit it to another one. Do you know what that name is? Mother Nature? If you ever ask somebody what Mother Nature is, you know they can't answer it. They don't know what Mother Nature is. They go, they say, well, what is Mother Nature? And I've seen, I've seen these guys that go out Christians and they say, how do you think all this works, the weather system and all those things? And they go, well, it's like Mother Nature, isn't it? And who is this Mother Nature? Well, it's like a system, isn't it? It's a thing. And they cannot explain this thing they've made up in their head. And weirdly, I can only think that the reason why we come with Mother Nature is because we seem to want to give things a face, some sort of personhood. And yet, we've gone so far to do that, and yet we can just look in the Bible and the face of God is right there. The God who actually made it is right there in the Bible. And yet someone come up with this term Mother Nature and said, oh yeah, that's a thing, but I can't explain it to you because I don't know what it is. What is it about us as people that want to invent a thing we cannot explain? What is it about us that wants to do that all the time? Mother Nature is the ultimate in worshipping the created things. It's the ultimate in just saying, we love Mother Nature, and then we hate Mother Nature, don't we, as well? Because they blame it on whether there's a, a, a terrible event when, when people get killed and all sorts of stuff. Oh, Mother Nature's power, they say on the news. So we give it a name, we give it an identity, then we give it power in our minds, change the ecosystem from day to day and season to season. And while people talk back and forth about the power of Mother Nature, do you know what nature is actually doing? Not Mother Nature, but the world around us. Psalms can help us to understand, as well as Isaiah, but Psalm 96, 11 to 12 says this, Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it, let the fields be jubilant, and everything in them, let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Isaiah 55, 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. 
Well, people pontificate. Think about silly things that don't exist. Navel gaze. Even the very creation around them, whilst they're doing that, is giving glory to God. Giving glory to the creator of the universe. And here's where it comes from. Here's what might be helpful. Because you've heard these other verses I'm about to say before. But it might help with context that this actually now makes more sense. Even more so. Now we understand that, the, that everything created is worshipping the Lord. Even if we don't. Luke 19, 37 to 40. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in the heaven in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. When you read the Old Testament, Jesus is quoting from what he said before as God. It starts to make sense. Why would the stones cry out? Because all the creation cries out to God. It worships him because he is the creator. What a strange thing, creation, praising God. We can see from these verses that God will be glorified. If we don't, even if we're quiet, even if we stay shut, mouthed, creation will continue to worship the Lord. There's a religious system, belief called uh, pantheism. And it's the belief that the created things around us, like reality, the universe, and everything is identical to a divine being. And that is to say that they believe that everything that exists is actually God. So they think that the plants are God, the air is God, the grass is God. Whatever you want to put in there, it's God. But God is not everything, and everything is not God. Creation, apart from people, in its very, its very presence is not only proof of this uh, loving, amazing God... But his very existence has been made to glorify God. God is God. Independent of his creation, but involved in it all the time. So God doesn't need any more glory from creation, but it does glorify him, and it does worship him. But for God, everything he needs is in the Trinity. This is why we started with the Trinity, because we need to know how God is safe in who he is. He is very comfortable in his own identity. So God doesn't need creation. He's got everything he needs in the Trinity. But what should cause us to glorify God is that God's creation is a free act of God. He freely chose to create this that we live in and us. The universe shows his greatness and it demonstrates to us his excellent work. And for us to delight in his work is also uh, a gift for us. So how do we do that? How do we glorify God? How should we glorify God? And I think from what I've spoken about so far, it has to be first and foremost that to glorify God, 
is to honour him by accepting that he is telling the truth and that his word is true. I fundamentally believe that if we cannot accept that God created the universe, that it was by his hand, then we have to ask ourselves what other parts of God's word is up for reinterpreting. We might think that Genesis is secondary to believing in God and receiving salvation in Jesus. But the reason why the creation account is so important to accepting Jesus Christ and knowing him is from one simple fact. Jesus was there from the beginning. John 1, 1 to 4, you know these verses, I think you do. And verse 14, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The same Jesus that came to die for his creation on the cross for all our sins is the same God who was not only present for creation, but also created it. If we don't believe that, then what do we believe about this statement in the Bible? Psalm 102, 25 to 27. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. From the beginning, God who laid the foundations never changes. That means we cannot take the account of creation and apply to it whatever we want. Otherwise, where do we end up? So here's what I'm going to do. And I don't think you need this. But I'm going to give you all permission to believe that God created the universe in six days. I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you permission that you're allowed to believe that. Here's why I want to say that. is because what we do, this weird thing that goes on, and I've had my times, my moments, where in the past I've thought, but maybe, maybe it is millions of years because of this, this and this. But here's why I need to I think, give you permission to believe in it. What I find is that there are Christians who do believe in millions of years that God created the universe, But I don't know that you can take out little bits of scripture and just say, we'll just ignore the days. And here's what people do. They refer to the thousand years as a day and all that stuff. We're going too far. God says he created the universe, the earth, in six days. Six days he did it. And for some reason, on this particular subject for Christians... What I find is that we still have to serve this somewhat, I would say, deity, this God of science, and go, but I have to, but I still have to try and believe in the millions of years somehow. Now listen, I'm not saying that if you think it's millions of years, you're not saved. What I'm saying is, it's difficult to look at the whole Bible, believe in all of it, and then change the beginning. 
if God says it's six days, I think it's six days. I, I, I don't know any other reason to disbelieve him. I don't know any other reason why he'd give revelation to someone to write Genesis and say, no, actually it was thousands of years, millions of years, whatever you want to call it. And someone asked these questions. How is it that we can believe that God is all-powerful, that he's a miracle worker, that he can hold back the sea, create a banquet from nothing, heal a man, bring a man back to life, but for some reason that same power doesn't extend to God creating the world in six days? Just think of that logic for a minute. How does that hold together? I can believe and I trust that when Jesus went round healing people, not only that brought a man back to life, I can believe that. He brought him back from the dead. Yet, in fact, Genesis is actually asking for something not so radical. He's saying, if you believe that God can bring a person back from the dead, back to life, couldn't it be possible that God created the, the world in six days? It's not about who has the best argument or even evidence. But if I've put my trust in Jesus, who is the living word, says John, then do I trust the whole of the word is true? God is not some of the living word. Jesus is not some of the living word. He is the complete word, the living word as a whole. And for me, when I let go of this last bit of speculation, I might call it, I speculated into whether, is it really true? Could he have done it in six days? about God's ability to create the universe in that short time. Do you know what it allowed me to do? It made me not care what science thinks. It made me not care what other people think. What it did was set me free to glorify God. It's plain and simple. I don't need to make everyone else happy. And go, well, I'm a Christian, but I somehow need to make you happy by accepting that it's millions of years. My salvation is with the Lord, not with those around me. It's not with people that can kill this body. So I don't fear them. I fear the one who made me, says the Bible. I fear the one who can take my life away. And do I trust him as the one who can, who's done it in six days? I do now. It's because he can and said he did. And this argument, when you look at the Bible, people say, well, why do you think the, uh, why do you think that God exists? Why do you think Jesus is real? And people will come up with the answer and say, because the Bible said so. And many people, many uh, teachers will tell you, well, that's not a great answer to give somebody. But let me say this. If, you've be if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that God exists, then the Bible has to be the thing by which you came to Jesus by. Otherwise, you don't know him. Otherwise, you don't know who God is. I'm just doing logic walks. I'm just thinking, if I don't know Jesus, it's because I haven't read the Bible. And if I don't understand it, it's because I don't have the Holy Spirit. But if I become a believer, if I, if I accept Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit helps me understand the word. So when someone asks me, why do you believe it's true? Too right, I'm going to say, because the Bible said so. Because the Holy Spirit convicted me of the truth. Our salvation and our eternity is with Christ. 
not with the whims and thoughts of people and their theories and unreliable human carbon dating techniques. Do you know that they have discovered that carbon dating has been in error recently? That all the carbon dating that they've done is about 30 to 50 years out. Now that might seem small. The problem is, there's one article that I read about this, is that if carbon dating, which tells us it's millions of years, if carbon dating is wrong, even by one year, the whole of history has to be looked at again. If we judge the dinosaurs by when they came, by when they died, the whole of history has to be reviewed again and say, actually, if the numbers are out, we have to look at all that all over again because the carbon dating testing that was done then was wrong and it only discovered then it's been wrong again. It's the second time that carbon dating techniques has been wrong. So it's not in these unreliable systems. While sort of helpful, they're flawed. And the reason why that is because we're implementing them. Broken people, sinful people. But as Christians, we don't need to worry what non-Christians think of what we believe. They can do nothing to us. We should be in awe of the one who holds our very life in his hands. And so this question, how do we glorify God for his creation? It really is simple. Be the image bearer he creates us to be. Trust that his word is true. Rest in his assurance that he is the all-powerful God who done everything that was needed to bring you and I into his family through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you trust that Jesus was enough for you, if you trust that what he did on the cross when he rose again is sufficient for my salvation, for all of our salvation, then everything has to be true. Every written word in the Bible has to be true. Not one dot, not one underscore, whatever you want to call it, not one dash can be a lie. From Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Jesus. If I trust in Jesus, then I must have to trust God's word as he has presented it. And so for that reason, even that reason alone, let's pray. Pray to God and glorify him that he is the creator of the world who on his very word is trustworthy and worthy of praise. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we're so grateful for what you allow us to do, Lord, in terms of just running around and trying to come up with purposes and so-called religions and things that make us feel better. Thank you for your grace, for your patience. Thank you that Jesus has actually not yet returned. We, we pray and hope for our friends and family that they will come to know Jesus. We pray for those we don't know that they will come to Jesus before he returns. But Lord, we, we thank you for your grace right now that holds everything together. It holds it all up. Forgive us, Lord, when we've tried to make our faith our knowledge of the Bible fit in with the expectation of the world. Forgive us, Lord, when it's become idolatry in our lives. We try and make the Bible compatible with the world, as it were. 
Help us, Lord, that it's only you. Help us understand that it's only you that has the power of life and death. Only you that hold everything together. The Lord, through careful study, we can know that what you've said is true. That through everything from the beginning, that you were going to send a redeemer, you sent him. And it happened. And Jesus did it. And he died on the cross and he rose again. And for all those that believe, they have eternal life in him. And so, Lord, we ask now for a conviction of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, that we may know continually every day, Lord, thank you for this day that you have made again. Thank you for this day that you have given us one more day in the hope that many more will come to you. Thank you for the air that we breathe, the ground that we walk on. Thank you for everything that you've given, Lord, and we praise you, Lord, as we want to just give you praise and glory for what you've done, not only in creation, but through Jesus Christ. We ask all these things in his precious name. Amen.